All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pervratsky alongside new WPSL beat writer, Mark Pervratsky, and we are here with the WPSL president, Sean Jones. Sean, we've had you come, come by a number of times. So great to have you back. Obviously, uh, this ramp up to this season is unlike the previous ramp ups to previous seasons, but still great to, to, to have you back for the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, hey, pleasure to be here. Any, anything I can do uh, to help promote the women's game and the WPSL in, in your neck of the woods and everywhere else, I'm happy to do. Yeah, there's there's been, you know, in Minnesota, we've added a team, but across the country, the WPSL has really continued to grow. Um, anyone who follows the league on social media has seen that, especially as you see the new team announcements and new jerseys and new logos and new brands, all that kind of stuff. I know you and I have talked previous years, even even when expansion wasn't as ramp, rapid, but still sort of happening. We've talked about the league's approach to expansion and you're sort of, you have so many clubs nationwide, you know, 150, whatever it is. So, so many uh, clubs and communities you're in. And so it's getting to that point where now I think you're being, trying to be even more strategic about how are we going to be intentional about which clubs we bring on, how many we get to, what's the, what is the format of the league? And so talk just a little bit about that internal planning and sort of some of those short and long-term goals you all are looking at in terms of where can we grow? Where do we sort of split this up? You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, so for us, I mean, you know, the mission of the league is right to provide opportunity to play at a high level. So, you know, that's the overriding that we look at. Um, you know, again, every, every individual market is different. You know, do we bring another team in? Do we in. We actually had several this last year uh, that were kind of on a wait, you know, on a standby that we've approved them, but they're waiting to see what the market looks like. Or we had a new team in a market and we kind of promised them a couple of years to get up off the ground before we brought someone else in. Uh, but again, it's because every market is so different. And you look at, you know, not only metropolitan area uh, population, but we look at, you know, how many division one, division two, II, division three schools are there within you know, within a couple hours, right? Uh, you know, what is the, the youth soccer scene? You know, do they have a lot of ECNL or at the time DA or GA type girls program? I mean, those are all, you know, factors that, that go in as well as the strength of the club, you know, uh, you know, are there other leagues that they could play in if they don't join us? I mean, there's mm -hmm. sorts of factors you look at, you know, clearly from our perspective, if we've got a, a team in a market and we've got another team wanting to come in and they're, you know, from the conversations, from the application, you could tell they're, they're, they're going to do it. They're, they're going to find a way to do it. Right. Um, and we say, well, if we don't bring them in, they'll join, join another league. So we're right. still them. Right. But we just don't get the luxury for the local team of getting to play them and have a, you know, have a rivalry, et cetera. Um, if they're a good fit, otherwise, I mean, there, there probably have been six to eight teams over the last year, year and a half, that we declined mm -hmm. that up in another league anyway. So they're there, they're they're existing. We just didn't feel they were a good fit for what we were doing because of the ownership group or because of uh, you know the, the the application. To be quite frank with you, or right. you know, we just didn't you know for whatever reason we didn't feel they're a good fit, uh, or right. maybe for a year away, or maybe now we've got the U twenty one league, maybe that would have been a better fit for them because we didn't feel they were ready for the WPSL, you know, first division, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm -hmm. So we made those decisions. And again, they're playing. So now our local teams are still for sponsorship for fans, for players, et cetera. We just don't get to play them. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. 
again, those are all factors that go in. And and I'll be honest with you, there's never an easy decision. I'll take that back. Every once in a while, there's a slam dunk, right? It's a town. (laughs) It's great. They're a great club. And it's just like, this is easy. Uh, But as we get more and more teams and more and more clubs, the the decisions become more strategic and more difficult. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. again, on the women's side, I think because there's not quite as much funding in a lot of places, although that is starting to change, you have a lot of teams that are that do great for a year, two, three, and then you know the the director, the girls' director for the youth club leaves, or you know the the person who financed it gets sick, or you know whatever, and, and they end up saying, look, we're going to take a year off, you know, we are, we've got to drop out for now, but we do want to come back eventually if we get these issues worked out. So there's quite a turnover, and that's you know, that's something we're when you kind of really look at what well, what do we want to do? I, I don't know that we want to grow as fast as we do. We want to keep teams involved, right? We want to make sure that we we find a way to help them create revenue. We want to find a way for them to help them create sponsorship to where the teams do are, are longer lived, right? So they're going to be in the league three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, right? Right. That's kind of where we are now. Um, the last piece of that is travel, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have teams traveling six, seven hours to play, that's a huge part of their budget every year. If we can get, and our goal is to get it to where teams, all their matches will be within three hours, right? Mm-hmm. So 100 miles would be your longest match. And in some areas we can do that, in some areas we can't, but that's kind of defines what the goal is uh, to where they're they're no longer overnight trips. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're bus trips, right? You, you go, you come back. Um, and that way, our clubs are spending their dollars building their clubs. They're not spending their dollars with Holiday Inn or Hertz Van Rental or, you know, right. gasoline stations or anything else. You know, they're they're literally, you know, spending their dollars on their club and their players, trying to create, you know, create the atmosphere that we want at the game. So, right, nice, well, Sean. That leads into the next question really well because it's it's. It kind of, it was a really unique year, obviously so challenging for COVID of people in every aspect of life, but especially with sports, learning how to deal with that. But kind of in women's soccer, despite that, there was still such an increase in interest. You know, we, you saw how good the NP, uh, the NWSL did on TV, and you'd see now where some other um, lower level leagues on the men's side are looking to establish. You know, with UWS and NISA partnering to try and develop a women's league and then, you know, rumors of some other um, potential competition coming. And so for you all, obviously you see your branding of being, um, you know, the longest running women's league in the United States. But so like that obviously sets you apart, but as you see this crowded landscape, you know, how do you, when you think of teams trying to um, keep getting players and keep their communities engaged, like how do you, how does the WPSL stand out and how do you, you know, deal with that competition? Well, you know, so, so again, I, it is competition in one respect and another respect it's, you know, if our goal is to get women to play, you know, and, and we can't have a team in our league in that area, good for them. Right. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they're still expanding what we're, we're trying to accomplish. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, we all those teams in our league, as long as they meet the standards, et cetera. But in some areas, geographically, it might make more sense for a team to join the UWS or the UPSL or one of those leagues. Uh, in other areas, it makes a lot more sense to join us. Right. So, uh, you know, again, you know, it is competition, but you know, it, it pushes us, right? It, it tries to make us do things better. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it learn from our mistakes because it's easy. You've got a monopoly. You can do whatever the heck you want, right? And, and ultimately, when we took this league over, that's what they were. It was literally one game in town and you could do whatever you wanted to do. And, and 
you know, of Jerry's Valley who started the league and, and, you know, his vision was what got us to this point, but he could literally do just about whatever he wanted, make any decision. And it was kind of the way it was, you know, I, I think having competition keeps us on our toes. It makes us work hard. And, uh, it makes our clubs work hard. And, and again, we want to provide the platform for the teams that want to be in our league. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, if they choose for whatever reason to go to another league, good luck to them. You know, we, we hope. Mm-hmm. But from our perspective, you know, we're trying to grow what we're doing and provide the best platform we can for women to play and hopefully the best platform for teams to be involved in. Um, you know, and sometimes we do a great job and sometimes we fail at that. Right. Or, or we've got to get better. Mm-hmm. That's just part. of it. We've got to learn from mistakes and go forward and try to make the league better. Um, right. So, we, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think that it's it, one thing I've always uh, from the I think the first year I covered the Minnesota squads and the WPSL, the conference alignment looked slightly different because it was for it was before we added several of the teams that exist now in the Twin Cities Metro or even the Rochester Mankota uh, Mankato teams. And so we used to play, you know, Minnesota teams used to travel and play against the Red Stars reserves. And that was obviously even the NWSL then was much less mature than it is now. So the reserve setup was even less mature then. But I still think one of the most unique, the single most unique footholds you all have amongst all the different leagues that are sort of either in existence or in conversation is some of those reserve teams having been longtime members of the WPSL. And I think for those who don't follow super closely not every nwsl team has a reserve team yet those teams vary in their setups uh pretty widely so some of them train a lot with the first team some of them don't um some of them you know it's not very professionalized other ones are a little bit more but there's it's not a consistent presence but i still think the ones that have those teams and the long-running teams a lot of them play in your league and i think that's sort of an under discussed um, point especially as the nwsl expands because you all have an infrastructure everywhere in the country. So for for you, um, you know, what's how have those relationships changed over time? Like I said, I mean, back when I'm talking about the NWSL, you know, even their minimum salaries for full team players were half what they were now or even less, but the reserve setups and all those things. So how, is, how have those relationships changed over time? And um, with new clubs coming in, how are you trying to sort of continue and build off of that strength? So, you know, the, 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 I... I I'd say the one team that really is the prime example is the Chicago Red Stars, right? Um, you know, from day one, they've had a reserve team in our league. And when the, uh, I guess the old, you know, professional women's league folded, they, they put their first team in our league and we had an elite right. division with, uh, I think they've been the best example of it. And if you ask the coaching staff there, they treat it like a true reserve team. I mean, literally one of their assistants, and I think uh, Julianne Stitch this year is a great coach is going to run the, 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 WPSL team and they literally at tryouts are telling players, look, we want you on the reserve team if you can't, you know, get through camp and get a contract. Um, and I look at their roster, you know, the a lot. I mean, I, I guess it's over half of their players played for their Red Star Reserves in the WPSL. I mean, they right. groom them that way and they get them into training and they develop the players and then they they, you know, earn the contract with the big so I think they've done a great job of that. I think the Utah Royal Reserves, uh, prior yeah. to, um, the gentleman there, Scott Parkinson, is a guy I know really well, and, and he kind of you know pushed them to do it. And I think they were on the right track. You know, they had a great – they were bringing a lot of college players. They were interested in potentially signing or inviting in as free agents. Um, 
and, and I think they were on the right track when, you know, everything happened that happened there. Uh, that team is now city. I've had good conversations with the group at Kansas city. I believe they're going to come in next year. You know, they, who knows what's going to happen, but you know, we've had great conversations about that because they understand the value of it. Um, right. When the old ownership group was in Kansas city before they went to Utah, they had a WPSL team uh, and, and used it to use local players who were close to earning contracts, et cetera, that could play in this league. This year, uh, we, we brought in Gotham, uh, you know, which was the old sky blue. Uh, and I think they've looked at that model. And, and if you look at the players they're signing to their, their WPSL team, they're very good college players who I'm sure they're looking at for potential, you know, draft picks. I and mean, that would be my guess why they're bringing in the players they're bringing in. Um, but it just makes sense, right? Uh, you know, as opposed to just telling players to go home, figure out what to do. You keep them in town. You find them a host family. You find them a job for the summer. Um, and, and they train and they kind of learn the system. And, and, you know, the biggest thing for me, from my experience and what I've seen with the NWSL, you know, a lot of players really have to play at that level for an extended period to, to earn mm. their way into the league, right? To, yep. to get to that level. They're, they're very good players, but they've never played at the exceptions are probably the players who are playing at Florida State and Stanford and North Carolina and those kind of schools mm -hmm. where they're mm -hmm. training at that level day out. But for a lot of right. – let's say you can be a player at a mid-major, a fantastic player at a, at a lower level power five school, you you that is a different level, right? And and even yep. if you'd be a fantastic – got to earn time at that level to get to that next step. And so, you know, we've actually had some conversations with the NWSL uh, about trying to expand that and uh you know hopefully those will go well and we can get the teams there to see the value of doing it you know based on mm -hmm. what some of these have done uh, right but but again for us it's huge you know we would love to have 12 nwsl reserve teams in our leagues next year i mean that would be right. fantastic uh, right. I, I i do honestly think within the next couple of years based on the conversations i've had would be well over half the teams will have a team um mm -hmm. you know with the goal of ultimately expanding that so Right, uh, you know, it's get great some work. of those get some of those Angel City celebrities out to their reserve team. Yeah, we got to get it connected. You know, I would be. I haven't looked at their roster of uh, their their squad, but I would be willing to bet you several of those played in our league. Uh, Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. just right. so they they understand the the idea behind it. And what's interesting is a lot of the newer NWSL ownership groups are including you know, ex-professional players and women that, you know, that were on the national team, et cetera, as part of their ownership group. And a lot of those players play. So I think mm -hmm. they'll have the value of it. Um, and as, as we go forward, we'll just try to expand those relationships. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's exciting. Um, and you mentioned when we spoke earlier about, about expansion, you know, at this point with the scale you have, it's about being selective and about retaining retaining clubs. Um, and so, but we do in Minnesota, you know, we have a new team in the conference this year, the Thunder Academy. Um, obviously people who follow soccer really closely in Minnesota know, you know, they're one of the best places for developing talent out of our state playing in the ECNL on the women's side. Um, so what made them a good fit in your, you know, looking at teams that you want to be carefully selecting um, and yeah, how do they fit within the WPSL? You know, for, from our perspective, looking at their history and their development and the quality of players they put out every year, that part of it was a no-brainer. You know, when we had our conversations, uh, they were supposed to come in last year, obviously due to COVID, we didn't. You know, the difficult part for us was, can we bring in another team in that area, right? What does that look like? 
are they robbing are we robbing peter to pay paul and are we diluting mm -hmm. for us as in, in some of those clubs that have a talent pool they don't need to recruit against the other clubs to bring players in they've got players right right they're mm -hmm. five six seven eight ten players out every year into colleges universities they've got a great talent pool um so that made that decision a little bit easier i, I think they're going to do fantastic they're run well and to be honest with you, the Minnesota, that, that that whole area is probably one of our best conferences as far as top to bottom, quality of staff, quality of, of ownership groups, you know, quality of uh, just how they do things. They they they're very competitive off the field. They seem to be well on the you know or off the field. They're very competitive on the field. Um, but you know, it, adding that team, it was one of those, you know, wins enough enough, right? You know, it, mm -hmm. uh, and. and Interesting thing is I've probably had six other groups in the last three years contact us from the state of Minnesota, which is just amazing to me. Um, right. You know, some some have, are serious, some are not. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, right. also had a couple teams contact us not in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, you know, a couple hours away. That mm -hmm. might be fits for a conference there, you know, because they are mm -hmm. part of the way that they use a different pool. Mm -hmm. But I think they're going to be a fantastic addition. I'm, I'm excited to see what they mm -hmm. do if it shakes out this year. Yeah. Sean, you yeah. don't have to comment, but I would guess one of those teams might be Duluth FC. But that's just—I used to live in Duluth, so I'm—that's pure <laughs> speculation. <laughs> I can't—I can't comment on who it is, but you know who they are. But yeah, that, that would be a group for me. That would be fantastic. You know, um, yeah, right. do a great job on the men's side, and and, and most of the time that does translate, right? If they know how to run it and they're about it, you know, it, it works. Right. But and it's far enough away to where everything seems to make sense. So that, mm -hmm. that and. And some of those, and I think some of those regional centers outside of the Twin Cities Metro, um, they have another sort of unique opportunity in that they're sort of in their own media market. So like Mankato is easily, I think, I mean, they're a shining star, I'm assuming even for the entire WPSL in terms of actually getting local media out to their games, doing a lot of promotion and marketing, getting a lot of sponsorships. They came in, you know, what was it two, now two years ago or whenever it was, but they, that first season, they just had a lot of local community buy-in because they did so much work to promote themselves as a professional setup and to get those sponsorships. And I think that's, you know, an example like that where Mankato is a, you know, a quote unquote, like small college town, but they really took advantage and owned that market. And then also, you know, if you have a really uh, badass Division II uh, college soccer team there and Division II, there's no limit on how many players can play on a team, then maybe you also scoop up 9, 10, 11, 12 Mavericks from Mankato State and, and run wild. So it's, I do think there's, uh, you know, we've talked so many times before, there's just so many different flavors of clubs in, in the conference. And a lot of them are connected to a youth club. But the ones that are able to, I think, separate and not just treat it as a slightly older youth team are the ones that tend to really fly. Because, I mean, Mankato has local TV at their games. Like, I, when I go to their games in person, there's a cameraman on the end line. Like, they're getting live footage. I mean, it's it's legitimately very, very cool. So there's, yeah, markets like Duluth where they have their own media market. It's sort of, it's your chance to sort of own that small pond a little bit. Yeah. You're well, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of our most successful clubs are in smaller markets. I mean, Savannah, yeah. they get, you know, it's it's on the six o'clock news and the 10 o'clock news and they do a great yeah. job. But, you know, in a lot of cases, it's a small enough community where it is a big deal that they've got a W. Mm -hmm. You know, we, uh, right. we're more than likely going to add a team from, you know, some small town, other small towns this year. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think 16 teams lined up that are already to announce for next year. A lot right. of those are markets and, and I, that almost works better, right? Mm-hmm. You get drowned out a lot. You know, there's so right. much, but if you're in Wichita, you know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot to do. Right. So I mean, right. that's a great community, but you know, it's a community of 300,000 people. You know, what a great place for a market, a Cedar Rapids, Iowa, we do the same thing, you know, Asheville mm-hmm. are great things to do there, but, their clubs get a ton of community support because it is a smaller, you know, a smaller community and there's not sports there and there's not 16 other things to do, you know? Um, So you get a lot of folks that really buy in and it's exciting, you know, and and the, et cetera. So, you know, we've Mm -hmm. got into Manchester, Vermont this year, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, an unbelievably beautiful stadium. It was an old racetrack in the 1800s and remodeled it. Amazing facility. You know, got the mountains, the, but the city was the one that contacted. It was a city. You know, someone on the city council contacted us and said, "We want to do our thing. We want to partner with the local youth club. We want to, you know, edit it because they see it as a community event, something they can bring to the community. You know, they could tie the whole community in. And so, in a lot of cases, those markets work really well. Uh, yeah, that's great. I, well, and I know. I mean, I think the that's the fun thing about new teams coming in, even in the the sort of what I call the Minnesota plus Fargo conference is the idea of getting able to see how are they going to run themselves? How are they going to promote themselves? What will their game day experience be like? Because the ones that do a great job really stick out. And then, like you said, they sort of can serve as that example of it's possible, you know, it takes work, it takes elbow grease, but it's possible for sure. And I think, you know, we're get. you mentioned earlier, we're getting into game game time. Uh, the Minnesota clubs won't play until I think, you know, 22nd, 28th, that kind of time frame. But across the country, folks are starting to play. And obviously last year, we've mentioned a couple of times, it was canceled due to COVID. And so the, you know, this is an outdoor sport and things are generally sort of opening up. So health and safety protocols maybe aren't as big of a deal as maybe we would have thought they could have been. But in terms of just the ramp up in general, you know, we were joking before we started uh, going live, you know, 22 months, 24 months between games, whatever it is. What's the ramp up to this season been like uh, for your clubs and the questions they're asking you versus a normal season? You know, so for us, I mean, that we again, we're in so many different markets and everyone has different rules and regulations. We decided pretty early on we weren't going to pass league rules and regulations. Our, our, our guideline has been you have to follow what's in your local community. You know, those are right. the because every community is so different. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's been a key for us is that, look, you follow the rules in the local community, whatever those rules are as far as seating capacity, et cetera. You know, again, in the last couple of weeks, the CDC has come out, you know, in, in you know, changed a lot of what their guidelines were for outdoor, uh, you know, along with the vaccination, et cetera. You know, the people being, you know, the herd immunity type type situation we're getting into now. And and what we're doing is saying, look, every every community is different. You got to abide by the, the state and local first, you know, the school district. If you're playing in a school stadium, you know, follow those rules. That's what's important to us. Make sure that the team coming in are aware of those things. But that ramp up has been difficult because, you know, four months ago, we didn't know what this would look like. So there were all, <laughs> how do we do it? Do we have test mandates and all this stuff, you know? Um, but we kind of, by this point, we would be a lot better than we were four months ago. And we were a little bit of a wait and see. Um, mm-hmm. But we kind of deferred to, look, everyone's got to do what's best in their community, right? And, and how that's going to work. So we're confident that we're going to go season with very little problem. 
Um, again, being an outdoor sports. One thing I will say, a lot of our minimum standards we relaxed for this year, uh, you know, providing water on the benches, you know, those kind of things. I mean, that's going to be different, right? Uh, how you do those things, you know, showers, et cetera. You know, those things are all going to be a little bit different. And again, we've encouraged teams to take safety first, right? Make sure the players are safe uh, with everything we do. But again, do what you feel is necessary to protect your players. And from a league perspective, we we have given quite a few variances um, or exemptions to some of the standards, and we relaxed a lot of them that we just knew would be issues. Right, um, right. Where the so where the of, where the yeah where the league standards conflict with what would be the healthier, safer option is where you had yeah where you had to make those variances. Right, right, right. That's good. Well, I'm no, I'm excited to games. We're getting sunshine and turning green in Minnesota, so it'll be it'll be good stuff in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I know as a league, you know, any league obviously has the priority, but when you're trying to, um, you know, maintain your brand and grow it, I know it's a priority to get, you know, kind of a social media presence growing and having your own footprint. I know the, one of the things you see a lot is the WPSL hyping up all the huge players, you know, U.S. Men, women's national team players who played in the league, which is, you know, it, an easy way to make the connection. Um, and I know Nicole on your team does a lot of those graphics. So shout out to Nicole. Um, do, how much are you thinking about or, or where are you at in terms of trying to think about brand awareness? You know, I know it's a balance of letting your clubs do their thing and also trying to have your kind of long-term vision. So wh what are your thoughts on that? You know, for, for when we took the league over, uh, this was in 2007, late 2017, going to 18. I called, I probably spoke with 40 of the clubs, you know, with the, the management, the people, and just calling and saying, look, what do you like about the league? What do you not like? I I literally heard from some people, look, we we feel we do a great job in our local community, but we're literally embarrassed that we're in the WPSL. And and the, the, you know, someone actually said, I, I don't, when I go into a sponsorship meeting, I don't tell them what league I'm in. Oh, right. And they said, because the first thing they're going to do is click on the website and go look at a news story from six months ago, mm -hmm. you know, November. And we still have the last news story was from from last May, you know, and it, from our perspective, we said, look, branding. Great. First, we've got to get the organization figured out. We've got to get, you know, media time. You know, we've got to get social media up and running. We've got to have all that. You know, we have to make it a league that the teams are proud to be in. And, and they were proud of the history. They were proud of the, you know, the fact that it was the oldest women's league. They were proud of the fact that it, it, you know, kind of kept professional soccer alive. Those things they were proud of, the alumni, et cetera. They just weren't proud of the, of the, I guess, the social media presence, the brand presence, that those type of things. So we kind of felt, you know, year one, year two, our goal was to make that difference. So, you know, we hired some great folks to come in and do, uh, you know, communications. Uh, Jeremy McPeak uh, is our social media director, um, and he's done stuff with the NWSL, with the NFL. You know, he, he, I mean, he came in, and if you just, I could send you something with the growth in in Facebook, you know, awareness and and you know all the. I, again, I'm 56 years old, so I'm not super aware of social media. But if I look at the numbers, and you look at the you know the the active users, the you know the 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 views, the engagements, those kind of things, you know, they're up thousands of percent. So mm -hmm. at first we said, look, we got to clean all this stuff up. We got to get it to where we've got a league that everyone's proud to be in. We've got to really increase the awareness of it. And by doing those things, 
we feel that helps our teams be able to brand in their market. Yeah. You know, if people have heard of the WPSL, they go to our website, they're excited about what they see on social media. And then a team can say, we're part of this great league. That should help them. Right. In, it should help them in eyeballs, et cetera. And so our goal is to make the league is, you know, it's tough for us to, when you've got 155 clubs, right, to repost everything they do, et cetera. But what we can do is make the league something that everyone knows who it is. And now, well, I, I'm in, you know, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I've got a team in the WPSL, but people have heard of the WPSL. They know that they can go to Mike Cujo and watch live stream games. They know, you know, so that's our goal is trying to do that to help our clubs be able to brand themselves as a member of this league. Um, mm -hmm. Right. That's well, and it's our thought process. And, and, and the last part of that is, you know, we were kind of amazed when we came in and we did not have a single league sponsor. We had a couple of groups that, right. you know, they put their name on the thing and they provide us balls or whatever, you know? Yeah. And what we said is, look, our first goal is, you know, year one, year two, year three, let's make this a league that we're proud of that everyone, you know, we were very proud of our teams. We always have been. But we've got to be proud now of the league, right? And so we've gotten to that point. And, and now we feel that, you know, we're in a position where we should go look for a national sponsor, right? There's no reason, you know, we can't find a sponsor who literally wants the engagement with 160 teams nationwide. And we do have some national sponsors for soccer gear and equipment and balls like that. But, you know, maybe it's time for a Budweiser, right? Maybe it's time that they can sponsor the league to where some of that revenue can come back to the teams. Um mm -hmm travel, help, you know, you know, create, you know, travel pools at the end of the year, maybe incentives for if you win your conference, those kind of things. So mm -hmm. that's kind right. of step. that's where we want to go. And again, the NWSL has helped an immense amount, bringing exposure to the women's game, right? Bringing in a landing. And I think Lisa Baird coming from that background has done a great job of getting eyeballs on that league and getting people to yeah. see how the, you know, women's soccer is and, you know, bringing in national sponsors and those kind of things. And I think we can, I don't want to say piggyback off it, but I think it helps bring up the awareness mm -hmm. of leagues like ours as well. Right. Um, and, and it's so kind of, I think like you, the way you put it, Sean, I think makes sense. It's almost like um, the league doesn't have to be the reason a sponsor supports a club, but it can't be the reason they don't, you know, like the league needs to be, the league needs to be at a place where like, when I'm searching online, I'm verifying league quality, just like basic professionalism that like, no one's going to sponsor a team only because they're in the league, but it could be the reason they don't sponsor. And so having that bare minimum is so critical. Cause as you said, then it allows the teams to really, have the foundation to build upon, but if the foundation isn't there, then they feel like they're swimming in sand or whatever that would be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And from our perspective, that's what we've got to do as a league, right? We've got to make it a league. Right. Out. You know, when, you know, we've got a page, uh, what we call our in information deck, right? That we send to all new team inquiries, but mm -hmm. we the teams and we've sent it to them in a format that they can put pages in or take them out. But we, right want them to use that when they go into a sponsorship meeting, I don't want them to take the first 10 pages and say, this is who the league is. This yeah. is play. These are the players that have been here. These are the connections we have, you know, you know, we've 50% of the players in last year's NWSL draft played in our league in the last three years. That's, you know, and then they go and say, here's what our local team is. And here's, you know, mm -hmm. the league we play in. And this is the great things we do in the community here to promote women's sports and, and women's soccer. And, you know, the, the, Ultimately, the team is the important part, but like you said, we don't want the league to be the reason they say no. We want right. them to 
that's really cool. We weren't aware that there was a team in that level of a league in our town. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Sean, cool. I was gonna I was gonna ask with the NWSL, you led into it. You know, I was thinking about this because you know, it was really exciting to see, you know, I, I like watching the women's national team. I like watching women's soccer, but it was still a pleasant surprise for me. Like when they were on major CBS, you know, networks this year, they got the same or better ratings than, you know, MLS or men's teams. Right. And so I'm, that can't, and obviously we saw that payoff because they have a lot of national partners, you know? So I was wondering for you when you're trying to have those conversations now, like, have you seen that shift or has you just seen the early stages of the shift of how those conversations go? I think it's the early stages, right, for us. I mean, um, you know, we've got to find a way. And one of the things we've done is, you know, try to increase our minimum standards to, you know, require teams to live stream, to require teams, you know, that if they don't live stream, they still got to upload within 24 hours to our platform so that we can get the eyeballs, right? And, mm-hmm. and that we're getting, we have to have a product that when sponsors do come in, they can see the value of it, right? And so that's the day we, we, we think on the field we're great we think the league's great um we think a lot of those issues have been solved now we've got to find a way how do we help a sponsor monetize that right how do we get it in front of a lot of and again the NWSL has done a great job with their ratings you know if you go look at the the social media interactions between different teams in different leagues the NWSL teams are almost all at the top you know mm-hmm. really interesting right it, i mean over the day over the nfl etc so you know, that brings attention and that's what we've got to do to where we can then hopefully translate that into sponsorship, et cetera. So, and, you know, yeah. and help our teams be able to do that in their local market. I would, right. if I could come in two years from now and say 30% of the teams in our league have local live streaming or, or cable deals or something like that. You now, even if those aren't bringing in money, but they're break even deals to where they're bringing in eyeballs to their team. That's fantastic. You know, that's, that's something we're trying to accomplish, but it's a, it's a path to mm-hmm. get there. Right. And we had, uh, we did have uh, Mary Casper on Facebook asked this. We've actually spoken about this sort of, we've walked around this question, but we can just ask it explicitly. And I, I heard you drop the platform earlier, but for those who don't know the platform, they maybe didn't catch what you said. So what kind of broadcasting stream could, you know, folks who want to follow the WPSL, um, you know, where, where can they find your games? I know you already mentioned my Cujo, but I'll, I'll let you give that direct answer. And then um, also if folks are just generally interested in, in learning about the league, you know, what do you want to plug in terms of, you know, places they can go to learn more? So, you know, again, WPSLsoccer.com, it, you know, it's got our website. I know people like don't like to go to websites anymore, but, um, you know, it's got links to, I think we've got Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok page that we let a lot of teams take over and, and put a lot of interesting content on. We also, you know, launched, it came out yesterday, but we've been working on this for about a year, but a podcast to discuss the league, right? So we had our inaugural one yesterday. It's called the Her Game Podcast. Uh, it is on YouTube and uh, some other platforms, but it'll also. Oh, we lost you for a second. Let's see if you come back. Can Can you hear us, Sean? Here, absolutely. Oh, there we there go. Now we can hear you. So, uh, you know, those are always the Her Game podcast. You know, we'll be interviewing a lot of teams. Uh, yesterday, the on, the on the first one, Christian Fuchs, who plays for Leicester City. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was our our first guest. Um, got some really interesting guests lined up. A lot of players who played in our league who people will, will know their names and and they're going to come on. Uh, but it's just to talk about what we're doing in the league and and you know give recaps for the the week that was, etc. 
but we rolled that out yesterday and, and we're proud of that. It's something we really want to do. I think over the next couple of years, we will also have, you know, video you know, to where it's literally an eight to 10 minute show that, you know, we'll mm-hmm. discuss weekend show highlights, et cetera. But, you know, we, we're, we're our live stream partner is my Cujo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got links on our website to WPSL TV. Uh, hopefully in the next two to three years, 100% of our games will be on there right now. It's not mm-hmm. as you know, that we do have a lot of teams starting to put their games on to where you can watch games all across the country. Um, and that's our goal ultimately I- where, you know, you can get on and, and, you know, you can know that, that let's say Jalen Howell, who, you know, is now one of the, uh, I guess three finalists for the Herman trophy, right. On the U S national team plays for Florida state. Um, you know, she played for most city a couple of years ago in our, in, in our championship. Uh, and you, you know, she's playing for a club. Well, you can go watch her play. Um, right. You know, th- those kind of players or, or ex professional players who you always like following as professionals who are now playing with Sacramento storm or with mm-hmm. you know, whoever, I mean, you can follow their games and get to watch some, you know, really high quality, great soccer. So, yeah. Um, and I think, and for, and for what it's worth, as you said, you know, the league is trying to make sure more of the teams are on there. I think all the Minnesota teams stream their games. I could be wrong. I, I might be missing some, but I, I have, and the app, the app is easy to use. If you have, if someone hasn't used it yet, go, you can get the app on your phone or you can watch online. It's actually a really good interface. I mean, it's a great platform for soccer mm-hmm. streaming. Um, so yeah. they do a great job to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. So, Sean, thank you so much for for coming on and, and talking about the state of the league. For folks who are who are you know regular equal time viewers, this is a bit of a handoff show because now Mark is going to be taking over this beat. But I figured, you know, Sean, I needed an excuse to still be able to chat with you, so I, I forced my way onto the show. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I, I know Mark will do a great job, just like you've done. And you know, anything I can do for you guys, let me know. I'm, I'm excited to see how the the your neck of the woods goes this year, and and hopefully. You know, fingers crossed next year we'll be back to having, it. you know, regional championships, national championships, et cetera. So, uh, you know, we, we just want to get those those young ladies out there playing and, you know, experiencing what the league has to offer and what the teams have to offer. And, and but again, I'm excited to work with Mark in the future. And, uh, you know, like I said, anything we can do for you guys, you let us know. Sounds good, Sean. And I am and I am more devoted than Matt. I have a tattoo of a WPSL player's signature on my leg. Rose Lavelle signed my leg and it's in ink. So I'm Dayton Dutch Lions 2018 Rose Lavelle alum. Hey. And hopefully you'll have a few more tattoos with some players that are playing in the league now that ultimately- Exactly. exactly (laughs) that's great all right well thanks so much for everyone for tuning in uh and sean you have a good day hey thank you guys take care yeah